if uh, in developing countries, people in the car will put a safety belt in the front and the rear, in the rear. Motorbikes users will wear helmet. Respect of speed, not drinking and driving, not texting and driving. We will achieve to half the number of victims on the road by 2020. Cutting by half the people killed on streets like these by 2020 almost certainly won't happen, according to the man you've just heard, Jean Todd, who's the UN Special Envoy for Road Safety. He says that if drivers took a handful of basic measures enforced by law, a staggering 625,000 lives could be saved over the next year. I'm Matt Wells and I'm standing on one of America's busiest corners, 2nd Avenue and 42nd Street in New York City. Pedestrians, bikers, skateboarders and other various mobile contraptions vie for space here every minute of the day, with cars, trucks, buses and cabs and unlike some of the city's other main arteries, there's no sheltered bike lane here. As a regular biker, I dread the few blocks further down from here, where suddenly you're competing with heavy traffic, pouring into what's called the Queen's Midtown Tunnel. And this is in a city that's poured millions into improving road safety. Welcome to a special on-the-road edition of our Lid Is On podcast, where I'll be talking to three of the leading voices working tirelessly to improve safety on the world's highways. From here, in the heart of the metropolis, to the rural byways of India or Nigeria, where booming development and the lack of basic things like pedestrian walkways means that apart from fatalities, up to 50 million road users a year are injured, often seriously. In a moment, we'll be hearing from the former Ferrari boss, John Toad, and from Saul Billingsley, who runs the FIA Foundation, a leading global road safety organization. With a person dying every six seconds on a road somewhere, we need to start treating the problem like any other epidemic, he says. We need to be looking at this as a public health emergency. We need to be looking at, at it as an epidemic for which we have the vaccines. You know, we do know how to prevent this. And in some countries like Sweden, I mean, there they have almost no child deaths. They've almost eradicated child death on the roads. It can be done, but it takes concerted effort. It takes political commitment. And above all, it takes resources, which is why the fund needs to get going. But first, let's hear from the top official who runs the UN Economic Commission for Europe, or UNEC, where the brand new UN Road Safety Trust Fund will be based. Olga Algayarova was at UN headquarters in New York to launch the trust fund in mid-April, which will mobilise resources to cut death and injury on the roads and provide unified leadership on the issue for the first time. The fund setting itself some ambitious targets to prove its effectiveness. For every $1,500 contributed, they hope to save one life, prevent 10 serious injuries and leverage around $51,000 in road safety investment. Executive Director Agarova, who's got a long and distinguished track record of diplomacy and public service in her native Slovakia, told me why the fund was so needed. So far, each UN organisation that was active on road safety issues was doing and contributing individually. So now we can approach it in the coherent, common, coordinated way so many activities will be not duplicated and uh, we will coordinate ourselves to the common goal. And now you have the funding, the impetus to do it. Well, I hope it's just the initial funding because if you consider the number of fatalities and injuries and the economic cost of 
treating the consequences of medical treatment of injured people. And it is not only economic cost, it's social cost. Uh, these are development challenges because uh, this, this cost, if I may tell it, is 1.85 trillion US dollar burden annually for the whole world, uh, globally. So if we can use, if we can just prevent or decrease the number of fatalities and injuries and use this money for development, uh, it will be much better effect for everybody. I mean, I, and you understand that you've actually gone as far as to work out, what, hopefully, what the, what the uh, impact will be of this uh, trust fund and to the tune that, that $1,500 dollars in terms of a donation to the fund will save the life of somebody on the road one day. $1,500 contributed to the road safety fund can save one life, can prevent even 10 injuries and can leverage 51,000 additional US dollars in road safety investment. So can you imagine what big impact we can make by the fund? But I suppose that the challenge for you will be to, you know, from, from this quite top-down approach, will be to make mm. sure that that money goes to the most local level where, it, where it's going to be needed. Absolutely, implementation will be on the country level and depends because we have uh, five pillars of road safety and depends into which pillar uh, we need to work in the particular country. So either it's a road safety or the vehicle safety or the... I would tell driver safety. Uh, then you have uh, road safety processes in each country, like uh, issuing driving licenses or making technical controls of the cars. Maybe this needs to be improved in some country. And last but not least is uh, the post-crash cost, because we know that as soon as the medical help comes after the, the accident, so uh, the, the time of treatment can be shortened. So is, is the problem right now that, that, that a lot of countries, I guess especially in the developing world, just don't have the expertise, the know-how, the, the funds that they can set aside for things like public education? I mean, you know, I, I remember from my own country, the UK, when I was a kid, uh, there was this very effective campaign to get people to wear seatbelts. And they, the kind of um, strap line was clunk click with every trip. I mean, okay. is it small, mundane things like that, which you hope that the fund will be able to, to help to get going? Absolutely. Education is a very important part. If I spoke about the safe drivers, so in fact, uh, but not only drivers, you have pedestrians, uh, motorcyclists, uh, cyclists, uh, who need to be educated. And here I would like to highlight the role of women because uh, these are the mothers who are educating children in a very early age or the majority of teachers in elementary schools, these are women again. So the gender role in this educational process is very important and we need to pay attention. It's the most important thing, in a way, to change the individual behaviour of drivers, but also, I guess, there's, a, there's an obligation, isn't there, on the part of um, pedestrians and cyclists to also think more about their own safety. We know that uh, the, big share of the, the, the bigger share of the victims are pedestrians or cyclists because they are not protected. Uh, but uh, we need to pay attention to all groups that are moving in, in the streets, in, not only in cars, but uh, all of them are important. I mean, it's, it's pretty clear, as Jean Todt just said to me now, that, mm. that we are going to miss this, this very ambitious target of cutting road deaths in half by in just two and a half years' time, by yeah. by 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 the end of 2020. But I mean, is the, are you hopeful that this is not two and a half years? Is less than two less years. Less than two and a half years, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Less than two right. years. Right. So by the end of 2019, in effect. 
Um, but I mean, do you do you are you hopeful that this, that this trust fund will at least um, accelerate progress towards that that ambitious goal? Uh, I truly believe that we will do our best just to at least to stop the growing trend. Because uh, today we have the goal till 2020 to have the number of fatalities. However, trend today is growing. So we will try to do our best. Uh, however, uh, we see the number of cars growing. You know, So how we can then uh, evaluate uh, what is it? But the numbers are clear. The target is clear. We have the means. Now we have the fund. So now we have to work. Now we have to take this opportunity. And I guess the, the problem is that there, you know, there are a lot, a lot of cities where growth is kind of out of control, if you like. And in a way, the increasing danger on the roads is seen as an acceptable price to pay. Unfortunately, the cities and management of cities is a big issue, not only from transport point of view, from environmental energy point of view. And this is everything what we do at the UNEC. Executive Director of the UN Economic Commission for Europe, Olga Algayarova. Well, one major international organisation that's shown its confidence in the Road Safety Trust Fund's potential from the get-go with a major donation is the FIA Foundation, whose motto is ensuring safe, clean, fair and green mobility for all. The UK-based NGO, which sprang from the world of motorsport, is headed up by Saul Billingsley, who's got a long history of road safety involvement, including being on the board of Safe Kids worldwide here in the US. I asked him what the FIA Foundation had committed to the trust fund. Well, we've pledged $10 million because we think the fund is long overdue. It, it need, needs to happen and we want to see it getting catalyzed quickly and we want to see the fundraising start quickly. And in, in order to do that, you need to have some staff, you need to have some campaigns. So we've pledged this money to help get it going. Um, we think that road traffic injury, biggest killer of adolescents around the world, totally underfunded, um, neglected, even though the data's known, there's a mandate in the SDGs and, and you know, countries recognise the problems, but for some reason it's just not getting fixed. We hope the UN Fund will help to do that. And why do you think it has been neglected for so long? Is it because it's sort of, it's like all things that are preventative, the measures that uh, have to be taken, you know, that, that kind of investment, people don't see an immediate return? Is that, is that? I think it's partly that people think road crashes are accidents and personal responsibility. And if you start to look at them as a system failure and the responsibility of government and highway designers and car manufacturers, then you look at it in a different way and you realise that it's something that can be fixed. So it's partly that people have been looking at it in the wrong way. It, it's partly a fatalism. This, 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 this is just a byproduct of, of, of mobility. What's starting to happen is people are looking at it as a public health issue, as a systematic issue that can be addressed and can be prevented. That whole issue of terminology that you just alluded to is quite important, isn't it? Because for decades we've said we've used the phrase uh, road accidents, but really that implies that, that there's no fault involved. Yeah, an accident implies it's just a random event, something that happens. But if somebody is speeding in a residential area and hits a child and they're doing 40 kilometres an hour and we know that if they're doing 30 kilometres an hour, then the child is going to live, that's not an accident. That's, uh, that, that's culpability and it's culpability on the part of the driver, but it's also culpability on the part of the government and the, the system that allows it to happen. And simple things you can do like redesigning streets, like changing the policy hierarchy so that cars 
stars aren't always at the top can make a real difference and that's what we're that's the message that we're trying to start getting across but we're seeing kind of even in you know highly developed cities like here in new york there's still a lot of friction and the debate is very heated it, it is and it is everywhere and i think what new york's an interesting example because under the previous mayor and now continuing under this mayor there's been a concerted effort to to change the policy hierarchy to to put in the bike lanes to reduce the speeds to make pedestrians a higher priority and that does come with a backlash and we've seen it in other cities for example sao paulo you know we had a mayor there who did a huge amount to reduce speed limits uh, to make pedestrians the priority he was voted out of office because you know the car owners rebelled what this needs is it needs um, people to come together, um, it needs solidarity, and it needs success. And when you can show that reducing speeds will cut deaths by about 30% at a stroke, you start to make the arguments work. So, I mean, how do we persuade communities, cities like Sao Paulo, um, people that have taken a rather fatalist approach to it and don't want to invest the kind of cash and the kind of resources that, that New York's invested? I think you have to make the, the economic arguments that this is something that pays for itself many times over, that if you invest in road safety, you're preventing injuries, serious injuries. It's not just about the deaths, it's serious injuries that can last a lifetime and can cost millions for people who are paraplegic or, or, or seriously disabled. The head injuries that we see are, are truly appalling. There's a huge cost, 3 to 5% of a country's GDP. So there's making that argument. Um, but there's also a, a very human argument. And some of the things that have motivated other big public health campaigns, eradicating polio, the great campaigns that are being led from this building on malaria and HIV AIDS, you know, they're not just just being done for economic reasons. They're being done for very human reasons, and we need to do the same for road safety. So you see that kind of as a model, if you like, that malaria, AIDS, road safety, part of the same piece? If you look at HIV AIDS, it, it's, it's essentially something that happens because of people's behaviour. Road safety is not that, diff- not, not that different. You know, We need to be looking at this as a public health emergency. We need to be looking at, at it as an epidemic for which we have the vaccines. You know, We do know how to prevent this. And in some countries, like Sweden, I mean, that, that, that's, that's an outrider, but there they have almost no child deaths. They've almost eradicated child death on the roads, a bit like child death or, or, or disability from polio. It can be done, but it, but it takes concerted effort, it takes political commitment, and above all, it takes resources, which is why the fund needs to get going. So how do we make sure that this big international fund, this new initiative that you've invested so much in, how do we make sure that that connects with small communities on the ground where the policy changes are needed most you know, to affect real change? When we announced the fund today, I said it needs to be open and accessible and flexible, and that's really important. We need to be able to respond to what people need. And what the fund can do and what I hope it will do is start to unlock policy change You can go in, give advice to a a city mayor or give advice to a a transport minister and make subtle changes to policy, which all of a sudden have a big impact. And it can be anything from uh, improving a a national um, alcohol law right down to redesigning pavements in sub-Saharan Africa. About 90 percent of roads which pedestrians are using and where you have fast traffic don't have any footpaths. So right there you have a vaccine which could be implemented very quickly. Governments, municipalities, they have the money to do that, but they're not doing it because nobody's advising them. So that's hopefully what this fund can help to do. At the end of the day, does it have to be a kind of a kind of popular uprising in a sense? Communities, you know, voters compelling their officials to start doing simple things like building footpaths. We, we, need, we do need a movement. We need people to do that. And it, it is happening. There's huge latent anger in 
towns and villages and cities across India and Africa, it is very common if there's been somebody hit by a speeding car, barricades go up across the roads, people protest, they demand change. So it, it, it is being demanded. And it's in a city like New York, it's much more organised. There's big, powerful NGO lobbies here arguing for safer streets, lower speed limits, more bike lanes. We need to be encouraging and energising that same kind of pressure in cities across um, sub-Saharan Africa, South America and Southeast Asia, where the casualty problem is much, much greater than it is in, in Western Europe or America. So having heard from the great and the good of the UN here today in New York, are you, are you confident that your investment is going to be widely spent? We're confident that it will help to get the fund up and running. And we think that there's been a lot of thought that's gone into uh, launching the fund. There's been a two-year consultation. We know what we need to do. There's a lot of unity in the road safety community that, that we know the direction we need to take. The World Health Organization has just had new voluntary targets um, approved by governments, which, which really focus in on things that are going to save lives. So I think if we can keep that focus and keep that strategic approach yes it will help to save lives but the key thing is getting more donors on board because you know we've invested today but it's it's a drop in the ocean compared with what's needed and so we need very quickly to start seeing the fund going out and raising other money and that's the kind of efficiency and effectiveness that we want to see in the first place that was Saul Billingsley executive director of the FIA foundation speaking to me in our lid is on podcast studio just down the road from here at UN headquarters. For our final contribution, we're going to be hearing from a man who, in the world of competitive motorsport and car culture, hardly needs any introduction. As a young man behind the wheel, Jean Todd's racing career culminated in winning the World Rally Championship. He then went on to run the Peugeot racing team before becoming director of Ferrari's racing division. He went on to become general manager and chief executive of the iconic car brand before running the FIA and just three years ago he agreed to take up the new role of UN Special Envoy for Road Safety. The need for his expertise and the Trust Fund's creation is obvious. Road traffic deaths have gone up 13% since the turn of the century and an estimated 90% of deaths occur in low and middle income countries, mostly sub-Saharan Africa. I asked John Todd why he wanted to take the job on in the first place. You know, I was honoured to be appointed by the Secretary General as a, as a special envoy. And in fact, it was the, the first time um, it was decided to appoint a road safety special envoy. And um, clearly, when uh, you have uh, done something for you in your life, I think it's very important to give something back. And uh, I've been uh, fortunate to have a certain success in my professional uh, career. I decided to change this chapter. I was elected president of the FIA, International Automobile Federation, and we have two pillars. One is a regulator and legislator of motorsports. The other pillar is um, to support all road users around the world through the Automobile Club. And uh, clearly for me, uh, priority is uh, road safety and environment. And um, then uh, being appointed uh, as a special envoy by the Secretary General, I mean, it's a very complementary to achieve progress on road safety. So what do you see as your main role? In, I mean, it looks as if you're on the road constantly and you're, and you're going to different cities and places to, excuse the pun, dr- drive home the message in person. But being on the ground is very important to you, it seems. I mean, clearly, um, develop what we call developed countries. 
uh, have addressed the problem on road safety. I mean, over the last 40 years, the figures of the victims on the road have been divided by five, with the number of vehicles which have been increased by three. In developing countries, it's another trend. Every year, the numbers are increasing. So we need to create more awareness. We need to engage governments on developing countries. So going to these, you know, maybe quite small cities in faraway places is an important a, part of, any, of your role. Anywhere. I mean, you know, to try, my, my role is, uh, is to convince and uh, all, also to make them uh, adopting the UN uh, conventions, um, which is absolutely essential on, on vehicles, on uh, transport of dangerous goods, on uh, signals and... Uh, Unfortunately, one billion of people do not uh, enjoy those road safety conventions. And cars, you know, I mean, the, the vehicles, unfortunately, uh, developing countries are inheriting the cars which are forbidden in developed countries. So all that needs to change. But is it the case that it's, the, it's, it's pedestrians, it's bikers, it's motorcyclists who are the most vulnerable? They're the, the most vulnerable group, you know, for talking about the whole culture of traffic. In, in developing countries, about one third of the victims are pedestrians. It's number one cause of uh, fatality for youth between 14 to 29 years old age. You know, I mean, in developing countries for children to go to school or to come back to school is a fight because uh, you, you have not uh, full pass cross. It's a tragedy and in, uh, unfortunately they get used to that. And we who are privileged people, we cannot allow that. I mean, is there a danger, you know, as you say, that greater danger and death on the roads is seen in some places as an acceptable byproduct of modernization? You may get used to it. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, sometimes, unfortunately, you get used to a very poor situation. And uh, that's why you need to have some, uh, some eyes who, don't, who do not accept that. You know, and we are those eyes. And we must make sure that uh, having the eyes is not enough. But uh, we, we can speed action to improve the situation. So if you look at this appalling statistic that there are around 500 children each day killed, children, yeah. killed on the roads, how will or how can this, this trust fund that's been launched today here in New York, how can it help to address that? And you know, we speak about 500 children dying on the road every day and also 20,000 children who get hurt and disabled for the rest of their life. So can you imagine what it is? You know, it's, it's, again, it's a tragedy. And uh, we really hope that... I mean, the creation of this stress fund first demonstrates interest to address better road safety. Because, I mean, you take other pandemics like HIV, AIDS, malaria, tuberculosis, where you don't have yet the prescriptions. I mean, there is a lot of funding which has been given to help and to progress. It's fair to give now some space to what is happening on the road and to be able to improve the situation with a better funding, which, I mean, funding is not the only solution, but it's part of the solution. I mean, do you think it is realistic to, to, to think in terms of halving road deaths by 2020 as the development no, goals? No, I mean, unfortunately, we know we will not be able to achieve that, you know. But uh, the important thing, I mean, is a wake-up call. And to try and get closer. And to get closer. Yeah. I mean, do you also think that, uh, you know, that apart from this sort of top-down approach of getting governments and, you know, big um, NGOs and private individuals and... And UN, you know, I mean, UN have a very strong role. I mean, you know, UN is a very inspiring organization. And uh, I'm, I'm very proud, I mean, to see such uh, an enthusiasm, some, such a support uh, by um, all the major agencies 
So you're confident that this will be an effective way of of of, of affecting and change. Don't, don't don't forget. I mean, the I mean, essential role also of the local agencies. You know, uh, I mean, it's very strong organization, very skilled, motivated, passionate people, and I really rely on them. I mean, to be you know to make a bridge. You know, a bridge with the this other decision makers I mean, is the key to change the 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 behavior of people on a, on a very local level is that in a way the most important thing? i mean i tell you the prescription is easy it's education law enforcement level of vehicles level of infrastructures and quality of post crash care and you know simple things if uh, in developing countries people in the car will put a safety belt in the front and the rear, in the rear motorbikes users will wear helmet Respect of speed, not drinking and driving, not texting and driving. We will achieve the 3.6 to half the number of victims on the road by 2020. So just finally, do you have a favourite example that you've seen yourself in person where change has occurred on a, on a local level that's, that's made a big difference? I mean, in most of the developed countries. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm French. I take an uh, example of France, which is not the best country, but she, which is among the good countries. In the uh, 1970s, you had 18,000 people dying on the roads. 45 years later, with three times more vehicles, 3,500. So divided by five. Still, I mean, we cannot be happy to have 3,500 people who die, but it's better than 18,000. So cautious global optimism is in order here. Time for action. Thank you so much. Well, that was John Todd, whose extraordinary career in the driving world is now at the service of the UN as governments, cities and responsible communities everywhere strive to cut death and injuries on the road in line with the Sustainable Development Goals. Well, that's it for this special edition of our UN News podcast, The Lid Is On. I'm Matt Wells, standing curbside in New York City, where deaths have fallen for four consecutive years to their lowest on record in the wake of a road safety programme known as Vision Zero. But campaigners are still pushing hard to bring the totals down. 101 pedestrians died in 2017 and 25 cyclists. That's just a couple of the headline statistics that mean a lot more to those families, of course, left behind. We'll be back soon with more in-depth analysis and storytelling, covering the global issues that we hope matter to you.